Welcome to the Aspieland Podcast. I'm your host, John Allen. Come with me on an adventure into the world of Asperger syndrome, also called autism spectrum disorder. Everyone is welcome here, whether you have the disorder or you're interested in learning more about it. We're here to help you understand, share, and relate. We're just about to get started, so come on in. Greetings and welcome once again to Aspieland. My name is John Allen, your host, and I'm happy to have you with me. Whether you're someone with Asperger's Syndrome Autism Spectrum Disorder, or you're a neurotypical, you're all very welcome and accepted here. If you're new to this podcast and you're an Aspie, you'll find this is a great place to learn about yourself, your feelings, and ways to discover joy in your life. And if you're neurotypical, well, I haven't left you out. This is a place where you can learn about life as a person on the spectrum. I want to help you see that we're not disabled or suffer from some strange mental condition, but that we're just simply different, having the same feelings and needs as anyone else. The idea is to come together, both Aspie and neurotypical, and accept one another. We do that, by the way, by looking at life through each other's eyes. Now, before we get going, let me thank each of you for listening and subscribing, leaving me great email messages about the podcast, and really just being great listeners. This podcast has been heard in over 50 countries, and I'm proud of that because there are a lot of great Aspies and neurotypical friends that we've encountered. Thanks as well to those of you who have donated to the podcast. Your support is such an encouragement to me, and I'm grateful for each and every one of you. All right, well, let's get into the podcast, shall we? As a person with Asperger's Syndrome and Autism Spectrum Disorder, I find some things are really hard to describe, especially anything that's connected with my feelings. When I was younger, I could never put my finger on exactly why it was that people were avoiding me. While my high school years were supposed to be an exciting and fun time with others my own age, for me, it was a lonesome and dreary time, finding myself sitting alone in a crowded cafeteria or study hall or even in my classrooms. I felt like someone on the outside looking inside, and never quite able to reach in and be part of it all. Well, when I struck out on my own, I thought things would change. And they did. They got more lonesome. I would remember thinking to myself that, well, that's just my lot in life. It's what I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be left out. It's just happening for a reason. It was like I was meant to be the Eeyore of my generation. If you don't know who Eeyore is, Go to Disney and you'll find it. I remember I would ask myself, what would it be like if I had lots of friends around? Or even a girlfriend to go out with? Or just a friend to talk to? I felt completely left out of the human race. And while someone would say, isn't it a beautiful day? Uh, I would reply, I guess so, if it weren't for this black cloud over my head. As time went by and by the sheerest luck, certainly not by what Shrek calls all my charm and good looks, I found a girl. Well, wait a minute. She actually found me. Well, we fell in love, married, and moved to a new town. And I had a new job, and I thought, I'm on my way. But yet, in the background, there was this 
thing I couldn't put my finger on, something that was missing. Well, many years later, as I sit here writing and waiting for the day that I'll retire, which may never come, as my inner Eeyore would say, I still feel much the same at times. It doesn't take much to send me back to the feelings of solitary exclusion. I feel things real deeply when it comes to feeling like I'm alone in a crowd, and that still happens from time to time. Perhaps those of you who are neurotypical don't understand this entirely. Well, these feelings are very typical for those of us on the spectrum. I'll tell you what, here's an exercise that'll help you understand it just a little bit. Close your eyes and think of yourself walking through a dark, dank, muddy, sloppy swamp all of the time, trudging through as you're trying to walk and trying to navigate it, and you can't put your finger on why it's there, what caused it, and what, it's, what that swamp is doing there. And it's nearly impossible to think that maybe you could get out of this swamp. And when you do manage to climb out, the swamp is just inches away, waiting for the next turned head or ignored look or whispered word to reach out and suck you right back in. For those of us with Asperger's syndrome and autism spectrum disorder, one of our biggest problems is that we live in a world that is predisposed to negativity. Now, there are dozens and dozens of research studies that concur with the argument that this is somewhat genetic for the whole human race, for everybody. It's called negativity bias. Quite simply, that means that we all have this tendency to focus more intensely on negative things and to remember those negative things that happen to us than we would remember any positive things that would happen to us. Or another way to describe it is that we feel the sting of an insult with more intensity than the joy we might feel when someone compliments us or praises us. In order to understand this, let me go all the way back to our early ancestors, way, way back. They had to deal with threats from the world around them. They had volcanoes and earthquakes, and they had all kinds of animals that would like to have them for supper, like lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. And then there was the threat from other humans, like this tribe over here notices that we've gathered more meat than they did, and we want to come over and hurt you. Well, those were all threats from around them, and they developed a tendency to be on the lookout for those threats because it helps them to survive. These many, many, many dozens of centuries later, we don't really need to be on a constant watch for those kinds of physical threats anymore. But there are other kinds of threats we do have to be aware of. Let me give you an example of a physical negative bias. Say you're on a beach by the ocean. It's a beautiful day outside, and you're wading in the ocean water, and you're having fun splashing and playing around, and you're having a great time that day, and suddenly a giant wave comes crashing down on you and slams you into the sand. Okay, so you get up, you clean yourself off, and you go back to your day. And at the end of that day, when someone asks you, how was your day? Well, you respond by saying, rotten. I got hit by this giant wave and I got smacked into the sand. Never mind about the rest of the day where you had a great time and the sun was out and it was beautiful and the water was great. 
you recount the negative physical experience with the wave. Not only that, but from then on, you'd be apprehensive about going back to the beach because you're on the lookout for another big wave. That is negative bias from a physical threat. The physical threat being the wave. Now, I was a big sea beer back in the 70s. You remember that? Breaker, breaker, one nine, you know, that kind of thing. Well, anyway, there'd be get-togethers for all of us sea beers, and it happened quite often. It was a cool way to get to know other people behind their handles. Well, a handle, by the way, is just their air name, the name they use when they key up. Mine was Tiger Shark. You never use your real name. I recall that one particular evening, when I was in someone's house, just sitting around while others were talking and comparing notes about their experiences, I was pretty much sitting alone, which wasn't a surprise to me because I usually ended up that way. Well, as a couple of guys walked by me, they would look at me, and one of them said in a whispering voice, that's the guy who's the weird little loner. I was hurt by that comment, and while it was a nice evening, and it lasted a while, all I could think about was what that guy said. And with all of the nice experiences I've had in life, I still recall to this day, over 40 years later, that one particular comment. And I would always be aware of the possibility of it happening again whenever I got together with people. That's an example of negative bias from an emotional threat. The threat being that insulting comment that I heard. Negative bias is our tendency not only to register negative feelings and events more than positive ones, but it's also a tendency to dwell on them. But for those of us on the spectrum, we operate with negative bias in double turbo double overdrive mode. And this is partly due to the fact that anxiety is one of the core issues and strongest traits for those of us with Asperger's syndrome and autism spectrum disorder. It's a big deal for those of us on the spectrum. And I know all my Aspie friends right now are saying, yeah, we know, you don't have to tell us, we already know. But for the sake of our neurotypical listeners, they might not quite understand this. So let me explain. Those of us with Asperger's syndrome and autism spectrum disorder become more anxious than neurotypicals because of the tremendous number of negative events that have occurred in our day-to-day -day life. Remember also that those of us with Asperger's syndrome autism spectrum disorder have sensory information that is always prominent. And this is a hard one for neurotypicals to get their head around. But let me give you a quick, easy explanation for it. Most everyone has a computer. In fact, I can probably assume all of you have a computer. Well, your computer uses tasks to get things done. Let's say you take your mouse and you click to get on the web. Well, this little round circle or a little hourglass turns. It tells you the computer is busy working on the thing you just clicked for. This is called a foreground task. It is the foremost operating function at the time. However, in your computer, there are dozens of tasks and programs that are running that you're not aware of, and those are called background tasks. Well, the human brain is a little like your computer. You have thousands of messages coming into your brain from your five senses, but chances are you're not aware of them because they're running in the background. They're like background tasks. They're running in your subconscious mind. 
and you're not really aware of what they're doing. But they're important and they're running. In the foreground is the task that you're currently engaged in. Let's say you're, you're visiting with friends at a house and you're trying to talk to somebody. Well, that act of talking to somebody is what you're currently engaged in. It's the foreground task. For neurotypicals, this is how it normally works. But for the person with Asperger's syndrome, autism spectrum disorder, there are no background tasks. They don't exist. Everything that is happening is happening in the foreground, in the fully conscious mind right up front. So we have to filter all that stuff on the fly in our conscious mind. So we have to deal with it. When you combine all of the sensory information that we process on the fly every moment of the day with negative experiences and events, it can place us in a real vicious cycle. With negative bias in hyper-overdrive mode and the fact that we have feelings that are so intense, we may have the tendency to create what is called a victim mentality, which says, this is my lot in life. I guess I'm just the person who deserves to be left out. I'm just a ghost in the neurotypical world. And with our tendency towards anxiety coupled with negative bias and turbo mode, we can start looking for more rejection, more unwillingness of people to talk with you or hang out with you. For those of us on the spectrum, our problem with this cycle is that your victim mentality can soon become your only mentality. As you look for more negative things, you tend to find yourself trying to create negative things just to verify that you are inferior and rejected and ignored and left out. All of that in place creates an increasing anxiety level that builds and builds and could become too much to bear. And where does that lead us, class? <sighs> Let's not always see the same hands. Yes, meltdown. Now granted, that sounds a bit extreme, but it is a reality that those of us on the spectrum must recognize, and something that those of you who are neurotypical must be aware of when encountering someone with Asperger's Syndrome Autism Spectrum Disorder. Well, I'm here to tell you, as a person with Asperger's Syndrome Autism Spectrum Disorder, that this sad, lonesome, solitary kind of life really doesn't have to be that way at all. It can be a very fulfilling and wonderful life. You only need to help yourself feel better. Now, how do we do that? Well, I have several suggestions for you that you can use to help you gain a better outlook on your life with Asperger's Syndrome and Autism Spectrum Disorder. Each of these suggestions can be really helpful, and some more helpful than others. It may take a little time to figure out which ones work for you exactly, and remember as well that these suggestions aren't a one-time fix. Like some of the other things we've talked about in previous podcasts, they're a process, and you'll need a measure of patience in making these ideas work. For those of you who are neurotypical, understanding all of this stuff could help you help someone with Asperger's Syndrome Autism Spectrum Disorder work out these things, especially if you're in a committed relationship with someone on the spectrum. My first suggestion sounds real simple. When you find yourself in a negative moment, try to reframe that moment into a positive moment. 
Now, we talked about reframing in earlier podcasts. Reframing means looking at things from another point of view by changing the way you think about it. For example, let's say you're at a get-together and someone makes an offhand comment that you feel is offensive. Rather than allowing that comment to register as negative, think of a different point of view that changes the negative to a neutral or a positive experience. You do that by asking yourself a question. That person looks a little angry. Maybe they had a bad day. Or maybe they're just grumpy and are in a bad mood and everything bothers them. Well, that's a way to reframe the comment from a they're insulting me comment to a it's too bad that person is in such a bad mood. A second suggestion is to begin thinking of positive things. For example, if you think of your day as bad because of a negative thing that happened to you, think of all the good things that happened instead. This is how you kind of train your brain to dwell on positives rather than negatives. And one way to do this is to get a little notebook and at the end of each day, make it a point to write down three good things that happened that day. And do that every day. You'll find that over time, you'll start looking for good things to happen rather than bad things. Another way to do the same thing is by journaling. Now, this isn't everybody's cup of tea, but you could really do well doing this. This is a real good way to, like I said, retrain the brain a little bit. You don't have to be a flowery writer, and you don't have to write a full page of notes for each day. Just write down good things. And by the way, nothing negative is allowed in your journal. Write about your day using only good things you did, or good things that happened, or even good feelings that you experienced that day. Kind of like, I saw this beautiful sunrise. It was gorgeous. I could just breathe it in. It helped me feel wonderful. You write that down in that journal. Those kind of positive things are good. You'd be surprised how it can change your overall outlook once you learn to remember positive events. A third way to help make your Aspie life brighter is to focus and savor the moments that are good. Things that make you feel encouraged and uplifted. And really try to focus on good moments just as they occur. Replay them in your mind several times right after they happen and think about them. All right, finally, this suggestion is a little bit different. When you start thinking too long or too hard about something bad when it happens to you or even later in your day after it's happened, in the same way that you try to prevent a meltdown by leaving the room or changing the atmosphere of things, apply those ideas when you find yourself ruminating on a particular bad experience. Take a walk, read something funny, or go over the good experiences in your journal. The interruption you are making to that rumination, that hard thinking about bad things, are going to make it so that your mind cannot dwell on negative moments and experiences for any length of time. You replace them with good experiences. Well, I hope these ideas help to get yourself out of that swamp that I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Life has its bad moments, especially the life of those of us with Asperger's Syndrome Autism Spectrum Disorder. But it doesn't have to keep you from enjoying this beautiful life that's all around you. 
we Aspies can do some pretty amazing things because we view life differently from everyone else. And that includes having an amazing life. It's true for me, and I know it can be true for you as well. Well, good grief, we're almost out of time once again. I do so enjoy our visits here in Aspieland, and I hope that you have gained some insight so that your life can keep getting better and better. Be sure to go to the Aspieland.org website and subscribe. It's a quick and easy way to connect. If you have a question or you want to send me a comment or a story, I'd love to hear from you. And you can contact me by email at one of these two addresses, aspieland.org at gmail.com or john at aspieland.org. Now, like I said, I'd love to hear from you. While you're on the website, please try to make a donation if you can. That'll really help keep things running. It's been a wonderful visit. Join us again. Be safe, my friends. And let's meet up again next time in Aspieland. Thanks for listening to the Aspieland podcast. If you like this podcast, pass the word. This podcast is for everyone, whether you have Asperger's syndrome or not. Because the more who listen, the better our opportunity to become more sensitive and compassionate, not only to those who have the disorder, but to all humankind as well. Thanks for visiting, and I hope you'll listen again. <laughs>